When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. I think it's an absolute joke that uh, the NFL is changing the opt-out period, mainly because they don't want to continue to see guys opt out um, I'm sure they're shocked uh, about how many guys have opted out. Um, but it's the same thing when we sign a CBA sometimes. Some of those things that we think are good sometimes backfire. It's Tuesday, August 4th. The opt-out deadline is now official. Pac-12 players have made their list of demands and will make predictions for some old faces and new places under center this season. I'm Jeff Schwartz alongside Gabe Goodwin. This is Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You. Thank you guys for tuning in as usual. Quick announcement. We loved our time at The Athletic. We have moved on from The Athletic. Mutual decision. I appreciate everyone reaching out and asking about why we're not on The Athletic app. That's the reason why. We're on our own now. We're twice a week. And we're adding a lot of video component to this, including full video portions of the show on a YouTube channel, most likely my YouTube channel. I think it's just Jeff Schwartz, um, where I put out some football things. Now we'll, we'll transition that to uh, the podcast. It's very exciting news. I appreciate I really do. Everyone reaching out and asking me about where it's been on the athletic pod. That is what's happening with it. We're brand new, 2.0. We're keeping the, the, the energy going. Speaking about energy, Gabe, you came in here wearing a USC hat. Yeah. And the energy just shows me you're trying to troll me right now. Yeah, it also uh, probably jinxed us because this is take two of recording the show here after the internet <laughs> crapped out. You blamed it on my SC hat. I think that's a little bit unfair. Uh, it's in the news. You know, the Pac-12 is a topic we're going to get to in a second. I felt it was appropriate to wear the hat. I wish you hadn't trolled me. We're going to send you an organ hat just so you can be on the right side of history now. That'd be great. Just don't send me 256 of them that I have to combine into 275,000 <laughs> okay. different combinations. Sorry you've worn one helmet for the last thousand years. Okay, enough boring people with our Pac-12 rivalry talk. Gabe, how was your weekend? We haven't talked in a week. Um, we're one week closer to football at some point. Who knows when? 
NFL September 10th, supposedly the Pac-12, the September 26th, the big, the big 12 playing like August 25th or some crazy nonsense like that. Um, but how are you doing, man? It's been a week. I'm okay. Thank you for asking. Uh, you know, everyone's healthy. Uh, enjoyed watching a little bit of baseball, except the Mets lost every game of the weekend and then lost their best player. Um, and we're about to get into the opt-outs going on in the NFL, which are hard to take as a Jets fan. So, I, I mean, the main stuff in life is good. The sports stuff, mm, less so. Have you enjoyed sports? I, I think the the presentation of the hockey and the basketball has been great so far. I don't know if you've watched any yeah. playoff hockey. Um, our good friend, Blackjack Fletcher, by the way, he has been giving me a lot of picks. It's been a lot of fun to follow along. A little money on these games. They're great games. They're on the TV now. Like they have done a great job setting the year. Baseball, I, I like baseball. I'm a baseball fan. I'm going to watch it. But you know, the production, it's just such a big stadium, right? Like you can't hide that you don't have fans there. The NBA and 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 NHL have done a good job of hiding it. And I think the NFL is going to have to do that too because the Raiders announced today no fans in, in their stadium this year. We're not going to have fans. But I've enjoyed sports being back. Yeah, for sure. And and for a production geek like myself, you notice with the NBA, at least, they're putting cameras in new places. You get in angles that you don't normally get in an NBA game because yeah. there are just fewer people around. And I think the NFL is going to have a little time to steal some tricks. You know, they, they threw cameras in pylons a few years ago. I think we're going to see cameras in some strange places. There are going to be a lot of cool replays. So let's hope the games are played because we'll, it'll look cool. Well, we are rooting for the games to, to be played, but a lot to discuss. We've yeah. got a heavy show today. we got a lot of COVID talk early on about the NFL and, and what they're doing. We have some, obviously, the Pac-12 player demands, which is near and dear to, to both our hearts. But I covered the Pac-12 for a living, so I have a lot to say about that. And then we'll end with a little bit of, of fun with uh, some older quarterbacks. So, Gabe, why don't you kick us off with some uh, COVID opt-out news in the NFL? Yeah, so some big names are choosing not to play. That is their right, of course. The biggest name that I've seen is C.J. Mosley of the Jets, linebacker, of course. He's out eight players on the Pats. Almost every team in the league is dealing with this on some level. Um, we're expecting a few more names to come before the deadline, which was negotiated to be this Thursday, according to Adam Schefter. The owners wanted it even sooner, but Thursday's the day. Oh, and not to bum everyone out, but Eagles coach Doug Peterson tested positive for Corona. He's apparently doing okay, but he's got it. And 84 players are in the protocol right now, having been at least exposed to COVID. So opting out makes a fair amount of sense. This is a real problem in the league. Um, I understand better than I thought I would why some guys would make this choice as a former player. I imagine you see how hard this choice would be, but I respect the guys who've made it and made it now. Well, it's got to be extremely hard because for whatever reason, football, um, you know, we don't do sitting out very well, right? Like we've threatened to sit out as NFL players for years, right? When, when we don't get what we want in, in the CBA. We're going to get to Pac-12 in a little bit. They're threatening to sit out as well. There's like a very hard team aspect of this, right? Not letting your buddy down, not letting your teammate down, not letting your friend down, your organization, especially by the way, look, a lot of people think that once you have money in the NFL, you're just free of like any worry. In my opinion, I felt the opposite. I felt like I was obligated to do more for the Giants because I got paid a lot of money. So players have kind of their heart being pulled on by all these different things. So to opt out, is a very tough decision. Now, it's not tough for a couple of players. Nate Soldier, for example, a cancer survivor, his son has cancer. Like very easy decision, right? We've seen some players that are that are high risk making this decision. It's very important to point out because it's something that people, of course, are going to right away is that they think players are getting paid to sit out. Yes and no. 
High-risk players are getting $350,000 as a stipend, which is basically in advance on next year's salary. Their contracts toll over for a year, which means next year they get the same deal they have this year. Okay, so you're one less year to free agency. But high-risk players, I, b- I believe, accrue a season toward retirement, all right, which is very important. And we, we do have good benefits. If you're a low-risk player or no-risk player, you get 150 toward next season, no accrued season, and your, your contract tolls over. So we're not getting broke off to sit out, okay? Um, and, and that's very important distinction to make here. And guys have many different reasons. They have newborns. I think some players are just about to retire. And like this is a, a, this is a mental way for them to get out without actually having to say, I'm retiring, right? Because we, we, we've seen older players, you know, that, that, you know, they're getting close to the end. Just this is like their mental way to kind of get themselves out of playing without having to say, I retire and maybe get um, a little bit of, of money. The NFL wanted this deadline pushed up because they felt players were using it who were going to get it cut. But again, I haven't really noticed that, Gabe. I haven't noticed a lot of players like fringe players. There are fringe players that are sitting out and they might never play in the NFL again. And this is the business. Look, if you sit out this year, you might lose your spot, right? You might lose your job. The NFL teams might look at you sideways, even though they'll say they support you, but uh, it's, a, it's a hard knock business, man. Like if you're not there and someone beats you out, you're not going to have your spot next year. Players all know this, that, that this is part of, of opting out. But one thing I want to discuss with, with, with you specifically, Gabe, this is earlier today. This tweet was at about 1, 1 p.m. Eastern. And so I don't think any players have opted out since then, but it's important. Uh, of the 44 players who have opted out so far, 13 are offensive linemen and 10 are defensive linemen. We've also had tight ends opt out. Um, so th- that leads me to believe, do, do offensive linemen and defensive linemen who are going to be in close combat feel less safe playing football than the rest of us? Also note, you know, they say BMI is a big part. Of this. I think BMI is mostly BS for a guy like me, but nonetheless, it's a thing. And, you know, the higher BMI you are, the more issues you have with COVID. Yeah. And I mean, I've gotten to know you a little bit, Jeff, and you're a former offensive lineman. You're a pretty normal guy. Um, you're not wired like uh, wide receivers that I've met. Um, I think that, you know, there's sort of a working class vibe to a, to a lineman that maybe says this ain't worth it. And the the fame and fortune that doesn't always come with being a lineman is not part of the equation. So that that could also be part of it. But yeah, I mean, being a 300 plus pound guy and we see what happens to to guys like you who get out of the league you lose a ton of weight you know a lot of a lot of guys who play in the line wouldn't walk around at that weight um so maybe it is a little bit more unhealthy for some of those guys and they're being more careful yeah and and that's you know obviously what we'll see more of these uh you know more of these we saw o- Odell Beckham came out Wall Street Journal said hey I don't think it's safe to play this season and that was yeah. 2 weeks ago and now Mary Kay Cabot who covers the Browns for years has said that he has changed his opinion based off of what they're doing at the facility. And I will say this, I have watched as many videos, I've looked at as many pictures as I can about teams attempting their best to keep everyone healthy. And I think they're doing the best they can of it not being a bubble, okay? We, you know, the, 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 they have sensors, they're testing every day. Look, the Broncos have some sort of sanitizing machine. I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's the thing. The Dolphins are like sanitizing the air in the locker room. I don't know if those are real things or just a, make players feel more safe, I guess. I don't know. But I will say, you know, we we gave the NFL a lot of grief for getting to the point of starting. But Gabe, they're doing what they can in the facilities to keep everyone healthy. Now, of course, Doug Peterson got COVID outside the facility. So 
That's the issue. Is that how are they going to play? Because they're going to have a Marlins situation. We're going to have a St. Louis yeah. Cardinals situation where they have, I think, 11 staff and players testing positive. They've shut it down. We're going to have those. How can the NFL players stay safe is, is my biggest concern, and I, and I hope they can do it. So far, I think they've done a decent job. I know there's you know there's a lot of players on the COVID list, but for you know 2,000 players coming back all at once to have 94 on there is, is not terribly bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Here's the issue, though, and I think the reason I'm no epidemi- epidemiologist, but part of Epidemiologist. the problem with, Thank you for correcting that. Part of the problem <laughs> is if you feel that you are safe within your sort of your bubble of camp or the bus or among your teammates, and and these guys are being told that they are safe, it will spread very quickly, as we've seen with the Marlins and Cardinals, that if one guy comes in with it wherever he got it, whether he went to the club in Atlanta or just some freak thing, or by the way, chance more of us are walking around it than we would ever know, but we aren't tested every single day like these folks are. All these things are possible, but when you believe that you're in a safe work environment, it's much easier to spread. So that, that's a concern of mine. Um, and that might be why so many of these guys said it's not that they don't trust their team or the league. It's that there's just simply no way to ensure safety. So, you know, the, the question I have about the guys sitting out, though, and this is a fair question. People have said this is like, hey, are they just never going to leave their house? But I think to your point, though, is that. It, the facility being inside, we know, leads itself to spread COVID, right? Being in close contact. As much as, look, there's a video out of the Rams. Sean McVay's wearing a face shield. Everyone's sitting six feet apart. But still, I mean, if you are if you take your mask off to go shower for a second or to eat and you cough and, and it gets everywhere, like, there's ways to still get COVID in the facility. So, um, you know, look, no, the players are not going to just sit at home all day at home, but they feel like the risk is less. And I'll tell you what, for the most part, look, I have only gone to the market to take my my child to school now, you know, to to get physical therapy. Like I'm not going anywhere. Like I I could easily just sit out a season and not do anything. Right? I'm fortunate enough to not have to go a lot of places. Now my wife is working and that's a concern, right? What happens if your wife brings it in the house? But I think it's very easy for players to just do nothing for most of the year. I mean, they, they were probably going to go work out, but like they're not going to be out at the at the bar if they've opted out of the NFL season. They're not going to be out at a club. So I, I think the players are going to do what they can to stay healthy off the field too. I think you're right. And and also, by the way, I'm no contract expert, but looking at the Mosley situation, the guy was signed a, a $10 million roster bonus or, or paid a $10 million roster bonus in March which is like two thirds of what he was set to make this year. So just uh, rationally speaking, like why should he play? I, who could blame him for not playing? He just made $10 million not to play. You know, right. I'm, I'm I mean, very, that's gotta I'm, be a factor I'm, for I'm, a few guys. Yeah. I'm very curious though, about the jets approach to that because this is from, like, it I feels like they could be like, Hey man, like we paid you to play and you're not playing. Um, like are, are we getting that money back? I think, you know, obviously if he plays next year, the contract tolls over. I, I'm curious about that specifically because I don't know what the bonus language says if a player sits out. Because we know if you retire before your 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 guaranteed salary is up, you owe the team back money. I mean, the Lions famously made Calvin Johnson pack a million dollars back to them. So you you owe you owe money if you retire too early. So with Mosey's case specifically, I am very curious if the Jets at some point be like, hey, buddy, like we paid you. Boston was expecting you to play this season. Are, are we getting any of that back? I'm curious about that. 
Yeah, I'm curious too. New York fans had a, a lot of that type of emotion this weekend <laughs> with uh, Cespedes also. How about that, by the way? I know we're not a baseball podcast, but my man just up and left town. He didn't tell anybody. He had a walk-off home run, right, in game one of the season and just up and left. He didn't tell them. But they, they, they tweet out that they thought basically he was missing, like, like, like there was some nefarious action that happened. And 30 minutes later, it's like, well, he just packed his stuff and left. They literally went to go – we went to his apartment or his condo. He was gone. He just gone in the wind. Yeah, well, he's been a mystery <laughs> since the day he signed. So um, – Listen, with the NFL, it, it sounds like, you know, you've talked a lot about how hard it is to rehab, how hard this job is, how hard this job is on your families. I was talking yeah. with my wife about this decision that guys are facing, and I was describing what it you, you've told me it was like for your wife when you were still in the league and had young children and what kind of pressure that puts on her. Now to worry about your health and the family's health, like, I get it. I get why guys are, are yeah. saying it's not worth it. And, and look... You know, the bubble idea, I come back to this bubble idea. Everyone's like, well, bubble up, bubble up. The Saints, by the way, are doing a bubble for training camp, which I like. They're going to a hotel. That one month is fine, right? Like, look, Gabe, if you if you told your wife you have three young kids under you have three kids under three, and you told your wife, hey, I'm going somewhere for a month, but the trade-off is I make five hundred thousand dollars, your wife would be like, leave, go, go. Right. For one month. <laughs> she might have me leave for way less than that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like for six months or seven months, and by the way, it's not just the football players' families. It's the equipment managers' families. It's yeah. the athletic trainers' families. It's all the people. The Saints are doing this for 150 people, 280 people. They're not bringing their families with them. They're just These are just personnel. Um, and so it's a lot of people. That's just why the bubble for the NFL was never going to work. So I'm glad they're doing these mini bubbles. But I come back to this. It's very simple. NFL players have got to do their part off the field. We saw that with the Marlins, with the Cardinals. There, there's going to be teams here that don't play 16 games. It's just the way it's going to be. And so can we minimize that as much as possible and play through it? Baseball is just saying, screw it. We're playing through it, right? We're finding ways to make it work, which I think the NFL is going to do too until obviously it could get to a point where it's just too much during flu season. Yeah. Well, it's easy to make fun of guys who, who pick up COVID going to the club. Um, I think, you know, the 50-year-old coach also deserves some level of scrutiny. Maybe there's an innocent explanation, but all people on Twitter who are crapping all over the players for how they got it, maybe ask a few questions about how coach got it too. Um, because he did he's not just, answer he, today. What, what, what is the answer? He did not answer. He said he's yeah. not revealing that. Right. Okay. So I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but uh, you know, let's not assume every player did something stupid and selfish and every coach just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like... Probably there's a little bit of like forgiveness and blame that we could give to everyone. Let's move to a challenging topic here and then one you have spent a lot of time on. And please cut me off as, as needed because this one is difficult. But we're talking about opt-outs. Um, the players in the Pac-12, football players in the Pac-12 put together a really uh, amazing piece with the Players' Tribune that basically listed a set of demands that they have that if they are not met, they apparently will sit out the football season. Um, some of these demands are really like pretty bold, aggressive asks, and others are just such common sense. You, you almost wonder why they have had to be raised. I mean, I'll list a few of them. Um, one of the more bold ones was a 50-50 rev share between schools and players to fund scholarships for athletes. So football players would get football scholarships and 50-50 rev share with the team. Um, the ability to opt out uh, during this pandemic and keep your scholarship and eligibility and spot on the team. Makes sense. 
they would want to deny schools the ability to um, protect against liability. So in other words, if they bring a bunch of guys back to play and then everyone gets sick, the school should have some liability in that. And they want to ensure that a third party oversees all the testing and safety protocols for the athletes, not just leaving it in the hands of the schools. There's more stuff. It's exhaustive. But it was a very well written, very bold statement from a bunch of players who organized. Um, I say good for them. They're using the leverage they have. What say you? I'm with you on using the leverage they have. And I appreciate college players understanding they have a voice, right? They have a voice. And a lot of these suggestions, really their demands, um, are bold. They work. And some of them are just utterly ridiculous. And and I and some of those ridiculous ones, I think, weigh down the actual point of these demands, right? And and that's that's maybe an oversight by them. They only put this together within the last month. It's been fairly quickly to come together and put these list of of demands out to the conference. There's some, you know, there's some procedural things I kind of don't understand. I've talked a lot about this, by the way, in my Pac-12 show in Sirius XM 373. I mean, there's no like, there's no like person to negotiate with. Like there's no Demora Smith. There's no Tony Clark. Uh, they haven't talked to the Pac-12 office yet. So this is just interesting little things like that. So the meat and bones of, of what's of what this is about. There's a COVID part. And these are all tied together, in my opinion. There's a COVID part, a racial justice part, and a basically economic part. And they're all three tied together, right? They're all tied together. Why play through a pandemic when for years we've been unpaid labor and most of us have been minorities, right? Like that, they all kind of mix together. So, so think, think about this document in that sort of fashion. So section one, and I've read this through many times, is the COVID-related parts. And this to me, the Pac-12 should have already done, which is here is how we're getting back to work related to COVID. And to be fair, Oregon football players, Stanford football players have come out and said, we've done a good job. Like they're happy primarily in their facilities with how they're returning to action. They're now back full workouts if, if you can do it. I mean, USC can't go back to work out yet. August 17th is supposed to be training camp. They want more from the Pac-12 conference, right? They also want insurance because of COVID. Yeah, you're not getting that, all right? They don't want to sign a liability waiver. Maybe the Pac-12 relents on that. But again, if I'm the Pac-12, if you're any business, you're not going to just allow the players to sue you. <laughs> like So that, like that's a part where I don't know if they're going to get that, all right? But they're going to get protocols, and they're going to get a third-party independent watch group, which is also something they asked for. We're going to skip Section 2 because coaches are not voluntarily going to take less money. They're not going to pay for less facilities. Section 3 is the racial injustice part. This is going to be 3 for 3. They're going to get all this, okay? I'm telling you right now. It's a it's very easy for the Pac-12 conference. The Pac-12 has been very inclusive. They've been on the forefront of this. The most minority head coaches in all of college football is in that conference, all right? I think five of them, to be exact. They've done a great job with that. So number one is they want basically a um, advisory board, right? Some sort of advisory board to discuss issues with racial injustice. Pac-12 is going to do that. Check that off. They'll do it. Number three in that in the in the in the three in the three things they want uh, in that section is um, a a Pac-12 uh, Black Player Summit. Boom. Check. They're going to do that. Done. Right. Great suggestion. And number two is really interesting in 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 this whole order of things. Two percent of revenue going to low-income black students and other minorities and other basically causes that they determine, that they, again, is kind of broad, that they determine. I think, Gabe, and I'll ask you right here, that to me feels like a win for both the Pac-12 conference to do and 
really help the demands of the players. Well, yeah, I, and and I think what they're trying to do, and and the authors of this letter worked in groups across multiple schools, and I think what they're trying to do is be leaders and force the hands of bigger entities than just the Pac-12, sort of like the state of California put in place, you know, laws about name image license. Like they're trying to get all of the NCAA to hear them, not just worry about their 12 teams. So I, I think without knowing if 2% is the right number, it feels like they're going to be able to push that across multiple conferences by raising that issue. They will. And again, this is a very pactor related. I don't know if other conferences will have these. Now, a bunch of other stuff, the economic demands, the 50% revenue, um, insurance, all this other stuff, it, it's not going to happen. It, it's not going to happen. The Pac-12 really has has no reason to negotiate on those things with the players. There's legal issues when it comes to those topics as well. There's NCAA rules as well. But look, name, image, and likeness, which is uh, basically the you're allowed to market yourself, which I don't know if people realize. College athletes are not allowed to market themselves. So I can't, as a college athlete, while under scholarship – I cannot go to a car dealership and get paid $5,000. I cannot get paid to post on Instagram. I can't get paid to do any of that stuff, which is utterly ridiculous. In any walk of life game, if someone wants to give you money to market yourself, you can do so. Um, so they want 50% of revenue, which again, there's a lot of contradictory stuff in here. They want to fund all athletic programs, but also get 50% of revenue and get 2% here and, and then have six-year scholarships, which again, costs money. And then they want insurance for six years. And it, it just, it's not, it all doesn't really add up. It's just a lot. They threw a lot at the Pac-12 conference to try to get. But the problem is, I go back to this, is that it kind of weighs down the really good aspects of this document, which are the COVID-related stuff. And look, cutting down some lavish expenses in, in, in the, I think we'd agree that probably they spend a lot of money in the wrong ways. Um, and there's a way to do that. But there's a couple of things that, that I, overarching points I think are important to discuss when it comes to, to this letter that I think the players are sort of a little bit out of touch with. One is the idea, and this is a discussion we have on Twitter. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible place to have these discussions is I feel like in general, we completely devalue the scholarship at all. Like we just say it's not worth anything. It's worth something, right? Do we agree on that game? Like it, it's, it's a, it's a free ride at, especially in the Pac-12 conference, some amazing institutions. You're going to USC, to Stanford, to Cal, to UCLA, right? Great academic institutions for free. And you leave those institutions with typically a degree and no college debt. And as, as a whole, that program's value, you being part of that program, props yourself up, okay? It, it props up. So I think we, we've, we've somehow like just devalued altogether what a scholarship is. It just feels that, I mean, I don't, maybe it doesn't feel the way to you. Like reading through this, it feels like there's just no talk at all about there actually is a value in that actual scholarship. Yeah, but you're not allowed to to be nuanced because <laughs> if you say that, then all of a sudden a certain portion of Twitter is pouncing on you for somehow, you know, not thinking players should get paid. And that's not the argument you're making. You're just no. simply saying they should get something and yeah. let's acknowledge that this is worth something. Should right. they get more? Perhaps we can have that discussion. But yeah. this, let's start from this is valuable. Uh, right. You're not allowed to say that um, <laughs> in certain certain groups. I will say though, to to join with that that crew, um, 
I don't actually understand why so many people freak out about the idea that players are speaking up for themselves and asking for more when these universities are extremely profitable. Like, I, why I, I do I, random guy, care about Larry Scott's salary or the endowment at Stanford? Like, what am I fighting for that for? Like, if the quarterback I, I, look, can make a little extra money and be happier and safer and healthier, why is that a bad thing? I think people... All this is jealousy, right? They're jealous that they don't have a scholarship and that the players are asking for more, obviously. There has to be a racial component to this. I mean, more people have said it. There has to be, I, I think. I, I don't know how why else people would want to hold down college athletes at the rate they do. And maybe it's a subconscious thing. Maybe it's outright racism. But that, that has that's some part of that in this discussion. I don't get it either because like I said, in any walk of life, name, image, and likeness, marketing yourself is part of this. And... Another thing that, that I think I, that players don't really understand in this is um, like the value of themselves as, as a player to the school, okay? You know, there's studies that have come out that said each player is worth a million dollars to their school. Uh, are you sure about that? Is the backup center worth a million dollars to their school? Or is the starting quarterback worth 25 and the backup's worth 100,000? And... I think that they they don't quite understand that that when name, image, and likeness happens, okay, five players on a team are going to get broke off. That that's really it. Now, look, you you know, Oregon, for example, Panay Sewell, Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe a couple of the inside linebacker recruits, Javon Holland, at USC, Slovis, Amon Ross, St. Brown, you know, J2 Felly. There's there's four or five guys that are going to make a ton of money. Now, Jeff Schwartz. Might get a thousand dollars from his hometown, fo- you know, touchdown football club. That that's money. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diminish that. But I think all throughout this document, the athletes have kind of inflated a little bit their their actual individual worth to the entire machine. Now, if none of them play, of course, they're worth a lot because no one would make any money. But there is still some value to being on that football team that I think is being ignored in this in this demands. Yeah, that's fair. But isn't this just, I mean, everyone tries to start a negotiation by making their most extreme case. And I think that they're right to do that for themselves. I, I would ask this though, with the name, image, and license, isn't it, and it's an honest question, isn't it the threat of that to the teams and universities that if I can just go sponsor the quarterback, I don't need to run my money through the whole organization and and now I've got a few yeah. million bucks I want to spend. I'm just going to give him half of it. And then I've got only half left for the university. Whereas right now, to get your hands on the quarterback, it's all got to go to the university. Yes and, and no. Again, I go back to how much How much are, are someone going to pay the number one recruit in the country to come? And I'm talking about football. Basketball, I think there's a lot more money to make because one or two basketball players can make you a championship team. You have to buy like 15 or 20 football players to make you a championship team, right? And that's a lot of money to do that. And maybe someone, you know, is willing to do that. But yes, your point's accurate. That if if someone pays a, a player $500,000, let's say, that's $500,000 less to the school. But again, if you cut off some cost, if you cut off some, you know, some things here and there, you could make it work as an athletic department. The last point about this that I want to make is kind of a counter to the, the demands per se is that, look, football makes up 85% of an athletic budget. It makes up almost everything. They are the only sport besides basketball, men's basketball, that typically makes schools money. Some teams make money on women's basketball. 
maybe softball, maybe baseball, but it's very minuscule. And the coaching salaries are a lot. They're a lot of money. And then I, plenty of people have argued that they, they shouldn't be that high. And the facilities are lavish. There's a ton of money spent there. A lot of times, though, privately donated money. But the upkeep's a lot of money. It's, it's, those are all to help you win at football, in theory. And if you win at football, you make more money. Everyone makes money. So to say the coaches should cut their salaries, well, you're not going to get good coach in the Pac-12 conference. You're not going to be a good conference. To, hey, the next time you know that a kid comes to your school and he looks at your facility and it's not very good, he's not coming to your school anymore. So as soon as kids say, I don't care who coaches me and I don't care about the facilities, they'll stop spending money on facilities and coaches. But those are things that recruits care about. It's what players care about. They want the best coaches. Well, typically, you got to pay for the best coaches. So some of these things I do not think the play, and they're young, right? They're 18, 22-year-olds. I get it. Again, I appreciate their effort here. They're going to get a lot of these concessions. They're, they're going to be done. But look, Gabe, no one's going to sit out. I, I mean, You don't think so? I, 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 look, we've seen some players come out. Elijah Molden, who is uh, one of the best players on Washington, first-round draft pick corner, said, look, I'm with y'all on most of it. Don't agree on some of it. I'm not sitting out. Doran Thompson-Robinson, UCLA's quarterback, who's been, by the way, outspoken. We, we, we covered this about a month ago with Chip Kelly. He kind of came out early on. He said, I, I got to play. We saw a player at Washington State. I got to play. Right? I mean, look, it's hard to sit out. Will players sit out for COVID? Yes. We already saw this, this brouhaha at Washington State where players sat out um, for COVID, but then his coach kind of got on him for, which is inappropriate. Nick Rolovich, you're losing your team for doing this. Don't do that. Not appropriate um, about the the uh, the the boycott. I don't think we see a lot of players just say, I'm sitting out specifically for the boycott. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously that impacts how uh, powerful this uh, movement can be if the biggest players who are worth the most to the universities just show up and play. Obviously, you know, this isn't as powerful. If a bunch well, of guys who we all like watching on Saturday say, we're not kidding around, we're not coming to play, then I think they're going to get yeah. more. We'll, we'll see if but, they stay as a unit. But here's the, the sad part, Gabe, is the Pac-12 conference does not have a lot of players who you would like have to, they'd have to like sit out for the Pac-12 to not play. I mean, like if it was in the SEC and a bunch of the quarterbacks sat out and the wide receivers, you'd be like, okay, maybe. But the Pac-12 doesn't have those guys. Yeah. Well, also just, we've we've proven as a society. I mean, I, I watched twenty minutes of two guys playing cornhole the other day. Like, I I'll watch the backup guy at any Pac-12 oh, we'll watch school it. play. Yeah, no, you might not so, be good, but I'll, we'll watch. No, we'll watch it all. And I, I do think that players and look, four hundred players on this group text. There's been players, big players, Panay Sewell, Morgan's left tackle, uh, uh, um, uh, Koi Dang, uh, Cal's best returning linebacker, have tweeted out. Uh, but we talked about this when it came to all the, the the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, that, look, it's easy to put out a, a Twitter support, right? It's easy to do that. And But again, when it comes down to it, are these players really going to sit out the season? And also, I know we're going long on this, but I think it's an important topic you know, to discuss because there's a very nuance here. You know, with 400 players, and of course, I think there's 12 or 13 that are kind of at the top of this, is what does everyone need to get back? Do, you know, do they need the COVID part and the, the racial justice part? Do they need to see some financial gain from this too? Like, like everyone's going to have a different end game. And I see it all the time with, with NFL players. We talked about it with the new CBA. So there's a lot of things here that I think make this to where it, it doesn't actually end up happening in the boycott. But, but, and 
players have understood they have power now, they have a voice now, and they can use that voice to get better living conditions, essentially, in college football. And that I appreciate them going ahead and using their voice. Yeah, and and the people on Twitter who are having the same old argument about how college athletes shouldn't be paid, and you're just retreading the same stuff, and you're in Bomani's mentions, and you're in Jeff's mentions, and you're in Mina's mentions. Like, just chill, guys. Just relax. Ask yourself why you care so much that a 19-year-old kid is getting his college paid for, and you're enjoying watching him on Saturday. Just relax and ask yourself why that bothers you so much. It's just it's Jealousy. Weird. Yeah. Jealousy. All right, let's let's move to a, an easier topic to get into, and we'll pick up some time here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, oh, I'm getting choked up thinking about football. Uh, we're finally getting our first looks at some QBs in some new places, um, some old dudes showing up in uh, new uniforms now. So we got Bridgewater in Carolina, we got Rivers in Indy, obviously we've got Tampa Brady in Tampa Bay, uh, and we've got his replacement Super Cam in New England. So here's the take: get ready. Um, all these guys will fail except Cam. Um, You've told me too many times in the last few weeks, you, you, you got to have time to sync up. These these teams aren't getting together. It's going to be hard to gel with a team that you haven't worked with before under these COVID conditions. Some of these guys aren't that good in the first place or they're joining teams that aren't that good. <laughs> it's not going to work for any of them, including Brady. Cam's the only winner in the bunch. Well, Cam is like half his team sitting out, so that's going to be tough. I mean, he's got a new offensive line coach, a bunch of guys sitting out. Tough's in a Cam. Uh, Cam's in a tough spot, but I do think that he will play well in New England, uh, which I've said for a while. Look, Teddy Bridgewater, great story, but the Panthers return. I think only fifty percent of their production from last year. New coaching staff. New coaching staff everywhere. Right? These guys have never coached. Well, Matt Rule coached in the NFL for a year or two. Oh, Matt Rule's never, the best man. They never. <laughs> Joe Don't Brady talk was, shit about Matt Rule, man. Joe Brady was the quarterback coach in New Orleans. I mean, look, so they they don't have a lot of NFL coaching experience. So um, you know, there's there's going to be concerns there. Um, you know, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor. They're just waiting for Justin Herbert to be ready to play. The one guy that I'm curious about is Philip Rivers, and I'll tell you why. Early in his career, Philip Rivers was what you would call kind of that quote-unquote game manager, right? 2006, and this is when they had LT, they're running the ball a bunch. They're 14-2. and two. He threw the ball 480 times. 460 times, I should say. 460 times. Then in 2007, 11-5, threw the ball 406 times again. Exactly the same amount. Two years later, they're 13-3, and three, 486 times. The rest of his career, he's thrown the ball no few, I mean, you know, over 508 times every single year. Some years closer to 600. So we're going to get, in my opinion, game manager Phillip Rivers. Right? We're going to go back to that. Indy's going to run the football. It's the best offensive line he's had in 10 years. And they're going to just scheme up easy throws for Phillip Rivers. His arm is half dead anyways. But I think we're going to see, like, game manager run the football Phillip Rivers. That might have a chance to work. That sounds so friggin' boring. That that makes a seven and nine team a nine and seven team you know, irrelevant in the postseason. I'm calling well, I mean, that failure. I don't I care mean, about them. Sure, but that's what I think we're gonna get from him. And I mean, he's got a chance to go ten and six in that division. I think. Okay, so no? I just I don't. So like the Colts don't don't matter. I mean, whatever. Deshaun wins the division and maybe has a chance in the postseason. Philip Rivers making him an eight and eight team or a nine and seven team. I'm counting that as not a thing. Jacoby Brissett could have done that. What, what, what's Tom Brady going to make? What's Tom Brady going to go? I don't think it's going to work. 
I think the whole thing with Tom, it took him a decade to become an actual leader of an offense and not just a guy carried by defense. And oh, it's all based on his precision and his obsessive nature. And like, he's yeah, got to have exactly the right guy in the right place. These guys don't how, know him. How did it piss you? How much did it piss you off to see them working out extra on the side? And then, and then Florio confirmed that it was legal to be working out like that. Did that piss you off? Cause no one else was working out like that. Yes, of course it pisses me off, but it's not good enough. It's not going to make a he's difference. Gonna out, he's going to outwork everybody. But well, I agree. The first, oh, I agree that the, I agree that the. That first. was my wife popping her head in, <laughs> thinking, "Don't." He's talking about Brady. This could get ugly. He's going <laughs> to. I'm not going to enjoy the rest of my night if this guy's talking. Tom oh, Brady. there she is popping back. Um, have I shared this? I, have we shared the story on air, by the way, about about your wife and what I thought that she was a fake person? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if you've sh- if you shared this. We really quickly. This is fantastic. So another podcast Gabe and I worked on, um, there was a lady with a deep British accent who was who was giving uh, the cues for the games. If it was like New England versus Los Angeles, she would say New England versus Los Angeles, and she would say the line. And the accent is so perfect, and the drops when she would talk, especially the jokes she would say, were just so perfect. And when it came to this live show we did, we did a live show, and they said, Georgine's going to be there. And I said... You mean like the computer's going to be there? They're like, no, she's a real person. <laughs> it's a real person. She's not a real person. And of course, she walks in. She's a real person. Uh, and her accents, you know, obviously she's from England. It's wonderful. And um, you guys tried to mock me for that. And we put it out to the crowd and half of them said that she thought it was fake too. I know. She was hard to believe. Uh, most people did not think she was real. But when <laughs> Paul LaDuca is the voice of reason and the guy who figured it all out, you know that you were on the wrong side of history. When Laduca is the guy who's like, no, 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 guys, let me explain. That's not a good sign. And that's what happened she's, that night. She's, she's, she's real. So fantastic. Yeah. Hello, hello, uh, Gabe's wife. Thank, thanks for popping on. Um, uh, yeah. You know, look, Tom Brady is, uh, the first month is going to be tough. It's just going to be tough. I know that they think they're going to power through it. I get it. But new, co- you know, new coach and quarterback paired for the first time. You know, everything. And I believe I, their left tackle might be one of players who's opting out. It, there's rumors about it. Not, I saw not that, done, yep. not set in stone. That's a problem. It's a problem. He's always had good left tackles. Um, you're not going to find, I mean, Donald Penn is the only guy that comes to mind. Jason Peters just signed with the Eagles that could kind of like, okay, go play right now and, and make it work. Um, so it's not going to be perfect. Um, but I think Rivers, I don't go 10 and 6. You know, Cam Newton's probably going to go, what, 10 and 6? Tom Brady, 10 and 6? I mean, they're kind of all three of those guys probably have the best opportunity to, to go about 10 wins. I'm going with the other side of what you said a couple weeks ago. I just want veteran teams with the same lineup in place where they all know the playbook. They all know how each other like to work. There's nothing new about it. And for the first few weeks, they're just going to ram people with offense. And I think they're going to get in a hole in New England, or excuse me, in Tampa Bay. And Tom Brady's going to be that guy who throws the hissy fits and drags all his receivers under the bus. And they're going to be showing him, pointing at a Microsoft Surface, screaming at Chris Godwin. And uh, and we're going to see pretty quick it ain't going to work. I I hope. I like Tom Brady. I I, I, I I don't know why. It just there's something about him that that I enjoy. I don't know what well, it is. Yeah. Okay. It's your brainwashed like every other NFL media member into thinking you like Tom Brady because you've been told you have to like Tom Brady. Let's move the line. Uh, 
the more amazing person in the world, the only one actually outranking Tom Brady in most people's eyes is The Rock. Good news, The Rock is now the owner or co-owner of the XFL. He He's bought it with a bunch of backing. Um, I want to know, is this the XFL that actually lasts now that The Rock owns it? Over under 99% chance of success. Uh, I'm going to go over here. The question is, what is success? I don't know. But everything The Rock does turns into gold. Right? I mean, he's now like the, like a comedy star, action star, like kids yeah. movie star. The everything. Rock. The Rock. Everything. Everything. Um, you know, he has, he has, Zuri, Zuri, Zuri suggests that success is two seasons in a row. Okay, that's fair. Because then you're kind of <laughs> up and running. Just <laughs> come back for another season is success. No, no, I think, I think two, just two consecutive seasons in a row. Okay. <laughs> like full consecutive seasons in a row, Zuri has weighed in. That's what he believes is success. Which All is, right, again, so you think The Rock can liberal. bring the XFL two yes. seasons in a row? Yes, I think so. I think so too. Um, the Rock doesn't invest in things to not make money. Right, like this is, I mean, it's just what yeah. he what he does. I am very jealous of the Rock's Instagram. Have you been to the Rock's Instagram account before? Yes, of course. What he has the best, planet. he has the best cheat meals I've ever seen in my life. He'll eat like seventeen cookies and four pizzas, and I'm so jealous. He gets gyms set up for him and these movie studios. He lifts all day, then films and eats a ton of food. I mean, dude, dude's living the dream. Guys, don't what tequila brand now. Um, I'm a big fan of the Rock. There's nothing not to like about The Rock um, buying the XFL. I thought was interesting given the XFL's history with Vince McMahon. The Rock was always a company guy. He and Vince are sort of a thing. I don't know what the message there is. We'll have to get some wrestling nerds in to explain it to us. Maybe call Blackjack Fletcher. I think now XFL, I'm long on it. I think it will be here for decades. Uh, all right, next up. I want to know times we have to speak about Antonio Brown signing somewhere in the first eight weeks of the season over under 7.5. Is this going to be a weekly conversation this year? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a nightly conversation. Pete Carroll said he's, a, he's kicking the tires on Antonio Brown God. and Josh Gordon. Uh, like today, as, as we're doing this. As why we're doing this. is this? What, what, what more do people need to see about Antonio Brown that they I, want I was him very around? surprised. I was very surprised at, at the Lamar Jackson quote about him. That basically that said that like, scary. that like he needed him in the locker room, but they also have a great locker room, which basically meant like I, I think they want his is kind of his his football attitude on the field in the locker room, and that locker room can handle maybe the outside part of his. It's just like, but look, when you're talented. Gabe, you get a lot of chances, right? It's just the way it is in, in all walks of life. And eight game suspension for Antonio Brown, if he can stay out of trouble, if his civil suit doesn't blow up, I, I don't know, into something else, no other crimes accused, he stays out of trouble for eight weeks, someone's going to sign him. Do you hear the ifs you just rattled off? And, and I'm not even making any jokes here, man. I Before last season... I was on record saying, I'm done joking about this guy. There's something wrong with him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's mental health. I don't know if it's drugs. I don't know what's going on, but he's in that Kanye territory for me where it's like, it's too bad because this guy was awesome and now I don't know what's going on. I don't see how he he becomes someone you can count on. I don't see how you can give him money and ask him to be part of your team. Well, you're probably going to give him a you know, veteran minimum deal. No guaranteed money. <laughs> okay. I, that hasn't worked the last two times that it was tried after he left a team that basically hung on to him for a couple of years, clearly after they even wanted him around, he's basically burned three teams in two years. 
Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I, again, I, I, I wouldn't sign him, but okay. I'm not Seattle. Who Pete Carroll's like, <laughs> he's Pete Carroll's like living the dream out there, man. He can do whatever he wants. Okay. Good luck, Pete. Um, odds people finally stop complaining about the Monday night football booth now that it's Levy, Riddick, and Greasy. Over under 0.5% chance. 0.5% or 0.5 people? No, I want to know if there's any chance at all that people will stop complaining no. about the Monday Night Football booth. Or is that just something we're going to have our whole lives? I'm fairly certain like Mad Dog Russo went on a giant rant about Steve Levy doing this already. That checks like, it's, out. It's, it's, um, yeah, it says here, um, you know, there, uh, yeah, he said, Steve Levy, we're going to put Steve Levy in there who's never done a Monday Night. We're going to throw Steve in there. I mean, come on, he's not Dick Enberg. <laughs> so first of all, like Steve Levy has called many, many games and is very, very good and is a voice that lots of people know. So this like, was, I think this is, this might've been months ago. He said this, but, um, that's but that just still, seems like he's got a personal problem with Steve Levy because they, they both come from the New York area. I'm sure he knows him from 20 years ago. Uh, Steve Levy's the least objectionable part of this. Yeah. If people want to complain, they'll complain about Riddick or Greasy, but I don't even know what to I, complain about with either yeah, of those guys. Look, they both seem fine. I am. I don't watch games for the announcers. I, I most of the time when I watch games, they're on mute. Literally. So I have three TVs and they're on two of them are on mute and the red zone channel is on. I need to hear uh -huh. Andrew Siciliano's nice, nice voice all the time. So I can turn my attention to like the important so if he says, okay, you know, Chiefs, uh, I watch the Chiefs on the big TV, you know, uh, you know, Rams Jets, uh Jets in the red zone, and I turn nah, to the, the, that like, wouldn't be the case. But yeah, so I turn I turn to the TV that has the red zone channel on. I even watch like national games with, with the volume very low. I don't, and maybe because I obviously I don't need Chris Collinsworth to explain to me what's happening. But I, I understand why people do tune in for this. I think this crew is going to be just like whatever. Like there'll be enough to where people won't complain and just be good. Like I mean, I, they're not going to be. Al Michaels and Collinsworth, they won't be Romo and Nance. It'll be good. Right, which means that people are going to complain. You gave me my answer. There's well, there's zero percent chance it's complaint. Okay but, okay, but who, what are the right people to complain? Everyone complains. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, that, that's, all you've, that's yeah. all you've proven. Let me ask you this. How many more times is Rob Manford going to change the rules of the baseball <laughs> season? <laughs> Over under 0.5 more times. I'll give you, how about tomorrow? Before tomorrow, will have changed the rules again? I, I think he just did it. He just did. It. He changed the rules again. Yeah, the rules are. But this is what it's just. This season's going to be what it is. I, I like that baseball is being flexible because we know baseball for a long yeah. time rigid as can be. Yeah. How do you feel about the seven inning double headers? Love it. Right, Love great, it. I said right? to friends, seven innings is plenty. Let's make every game that way. DH and then and the NL, good because it great. seems it seems rather silly now to have pitchers. Hitting really, we need pitchers to hit. There's like one in all of baseball that can hit. Madison Bumgarner is like the only one that can actually hit. Why do we need to have pitchers hit? Just we it's another position for someone else. Um, so yeah, I wonder if these are going to be part the the extra innings rule. Yeah, I don't want us to watch a 13 inning game. Nobody put needs a guy in second base that. in the 10th inning. Yeah, I mean it's insane that that's their solution. Is like we've got this massive problem with the. Uh, COVID outbreaks, but you know, we'll shorten, we'll shorten double headers. I don't think they're really getting the point, but uh, yeah, I expect many more rules changes to try to keep this thing alive. There's a lot at stake, a lot of money on the line and a lot of our enjoyment for us Mets fans. It's the season's already shot. I mean, we're done. Um, all right. Last one real quick days. You could spend in orbit before asking to come home over under 29.5. Oh, I can make it over for sure. You think so? 
Yeah, I mean, you just—I mean, what do I? I'm doing my job up there. I'm just like, or I'm just doing nothing. No, you're you're busy. You're you're being an astronaut. Yeah, I could be. Yeah, whatever. I mean, now in COVID, I think all of us would be like, yeah, thirty days out of my family, be my guest. Thirty days floating around, eating you know the stupid ice cream that they give you in space camp, just looking down at the at the Earth, reading little charts. That you could do, do you, that. How do you go? How do you go number two in the in the, in the spacecraft? That's um. I don't know the answer to that, uh, but I imagine that when you just resign yourself to that being the way that, that it's actually quite nice that I've thought about this with my kids. I'm like, so they just go in a diaper and nobody judges them for it. That must feel great. Oh, right. Just floating around in a spacesuit and just got to go. You I don't know. Go. If, I don't know if sitting in a, in a shitty diaper is exciting for kids. I mean, it's got to be it probably feels like good. I guess you just go wherever they want. But I mean, my kids have enjoyed going to the bathroom in the bathroom. They enjoy yeah. doing that. No, I get it. I'm just saying if there was no societal pressure on you to go find a toilet and you oh, could just yeah, let I mean, it go. Yes. Well, especially like I, I don't do this as much anymore to eat better, but like, you know, when you have that poop attack driving down the street. Yes. If you could just let it go. I've had many of those where like, I'm in that like that holding the like, stomach cramp and I'm just driving, rushing home and run in and blow blood. I've, I've had those issues. But yeah, we've all had those. Um, so yeah, if you could just go on yourself. Are your are your twins potty trained yet? No, not yet. They're not we gotta, yet. I, we got to get on this. We, yeah. uh, it's coming now. They're old enough. We, we have to get on this. I, I, we'll well, I can update I have, you soon. It's it's we're dealing with sleep training with the other one, so we we have to get our priorities in order. Oh, Daddy yeah, needs to true. sleep before the kids start pooping in the toilet. <laughs> bigger <laughs> fish to fry right now. Uh, uh, by the I way not... i i had one of those moments you were just describing uh where you're like oh man i don't know if i'm gonna make it but i was at that time i was swimming in the marina here in la i was yeah, trying to get to, a workout just go just just go in the ocean strongly considered it uh ultimately my body settled down i was able to hold it in but interesting fact while swimming I'm a little bit foggy these days, not sleeping a lot, not not as sharp as I should be. While swimming, swam into uh, a buoy, head first into a buoy. <laughs> and now I've got a, a buoy dent on my forehead. Uh, the, the new video viewers of this show will see. That's why I've been wearing this SC wait, hat the whole time. Wait, so you you just free swim in the ocean for workouts? I've been trying to do that lately. Yeah. That's hard. Can't that is, go, there's that's no a good pools work. open. I, can't, I mean, that's what a, else can you do? There's no gyms. That's a great workout. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm drinking, you know, boat gas, but other than that, it's great. I mean, and, and the riptides in Southern California are fierce. I don't know. In the marina side. Oh, okay. You're fine then. Yeah. The 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 the, the rip currents can be bad like in Santa Monica. No, you got to be very careful out there. No. If you go off the beach past the surfers and swim, you know, peer to peer. Yeah. You need you need to be really strong and you probably have a little extra somebody to keep an eye on you cuz that that can get tough. This is in the marina. In fact, I had a okay. seal swim up to me the other day. It's nothing. <laughs> I got caught in a bad rip time. I was like 15 years old and the lifeguard was like waving at me like, "Sorry." Like, you know, cuz yeah. you know, and so I, I I swam sideways and got out of it. Um, nothing lifeguard can do. That you have to kind of just like hopefully no, no. you pop out the back end or you swim sideways and and get through it. You can't fight it. So yeah, I'm glad you're safe when you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, you ran into a buoy. That's just incredible. I were, were, a... were you thinking about like Sam Darnold? You're just like this guy. Just you're so frustrated. Just boom. Yeah. Uh, you bring up Sam Darnold. By the way, like 
that guy couldn't avoid mono. So how is he? How's he going to do this season? Just saying. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's a good point to end on that on on that note. Um, great show again today, guys. Again, I appreciate. You're sticking with us with a, a new format, a, a new style we're doing here. Really, I'm, I'm excited to do the video. We've been practicing now for months on, on making this quote right. Uh, appreciate Zuri, of course, our producer, again, this uh, going. So thank you guys. We'll be back on Thursday. Matt Ford is back. Gambling. We're doing gambling. It's happening. We're previewing the NFL season. Two divisions per week, plus a couple props. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. It's gambling season, everybody. All right, everyone, have a great week. Talk to you guys on Thursday. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.